Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuck, Ricans? Uh, what the fuck, Navians? What the fuck, Nucks? Uh, whatever you want to call yourselves, whatever the fuck it is. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for tuning in. But you didn't really tune in. You're dumping me in your head right now. You dumped me onto your iPod, and now you're dumping me into your head, and I appreciate it. I uh, am thrilled about today's show. Thrilled. I have Stephen Wright here in the garage today. Very exciting. Had a great conversation with Mr. Wright. Did not know him really at all before we talked. He was out here in L.A. And uh, I, I walked out of this garage uh, when he left just ecstatic because I had no idea what it would be like to talk to Stephen Wright for an hour. And it was, it was hilarious and it was sweet and he's a good laugher. He's Stephen Wright for fuck's sake. So enjoy that in just a minute. Uh, today, I went to the uh, to the doctor. Don't freak out. Everything's fine. It's just that I had a basal cell on my face in 2007, and the doctor said then there's a 30 to 50% chance that you will have another one. So now every time I get anything on my face, if I don't know what it is, which is almost always, I've got to go to the doctor and get a small piece of my face lopped off with a scalpel uh, to see what it is. So that's exciting. I'll find out tomorrow. Very exciting. Can't wait. Hate going to the doctor. Nothing snaps me into that mortality zone than sitting in a doctor's office. And then I go in and the nurse started telling me these horror stories about basal cells. They're not even, they, they don't kill you, but they spread in your skin. She told me about a guy losing his eye. She told me, and then they showed me pictures of my surgery from before. And I was like, oh, fuck. And then I left not feeling very good at all. And that on top of everything else, I'm just busy, I'm overwhelmed. I gotta, be, I, I, I gotta be honest with you, being anxious and full of dread when you have nothing going on in your life is a lot easier than being anxious and full of dread when you have a lot of shit going on. Because when you have nothing going on, there's, that's the ground floor. It's not gonna get any worse. You can sit around and say, Jesus, I'm fucked. Nothing's going on. When the fuck is something gonna happen? And that's it. You're as low as you can go. So that dread and that anxiety is consistent. And and the only thing that can happen is something happens. And then you're like, well, that's good. So you're out of your dread and anxiety. But when th shit is going on, it's sort of like, I hope I don't fuck everything up. I hope that goes well. Oh, my God, I forgot about that. I'm not complaining. But, man, I got fucking anxiety problem. I'm going out of my mind. I felt like I put on the wrong head this morning. Jesus. I thought I was over this shit. I've been compulsively eating cereal. So much for the uh, slow-carb diet. Uh, that worked for a few months, but now you know I've got a sugar monster that I unleashed inside of me over the holidays, and I got to get that thing shackled up. I've been binging on cereal, doing anything I can to uh, to get me out of my skin. Just binging on fucking bowls of cereal. I found myself. I, I think I actually killed what was left of my innocence the other day because I found myself just sitting there eating a bowl of puffins with vanilla soy milk, perusing porn. There's something so childlike and comforting about eating cereal that you dump porn into that equation. You just killed whatever there's left of that child inside of you. You just, you grew that little kid right the fuck up eating cereal, looking at porn. What the hell is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? I'm okay. I'm okay. Did I mention I ran into Chelsea Handler at the doctor? She makes me nervous, man. 
she i've 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 known her i've you know, i've run into her for years we did our comedy central presents together and you know she's just tough man i literally started bumbling over myself because i saw her at the doctor she was walking out and i'm like chelsea and she's like hey mark i got to do your uh, podcast i'm like yeah dude yeah definitely I, i'd love to have you and i i I was talking to her and I've never done this before, but I spit my nicotine lozenge out of my mouth onto my arm. Out of all people, I got to do that too. I got to be standing in front of Chelsea lately looking like a nervous fucking putz. For a second, it looked like I, I spit a tooth out. The nurse said I spit my tooth out. We were all comforted by the fact that it was just a nicotine lozenge, but nonetheless, it was ridiculously embarrassing. Just I spit out my candy talking to Chelsea Handler. What are you going to do? Life's funny. On the home front, I had a moment with my girlfriend, Jessica. I don't know if you do this, but uh, when somebody says they love me, I generally first, before I say I love you back, I say, no, you don't. I love you. No, you don't. You don't. And they look weird for a minute. I go, I love you too. That's, that's That's how I roll. But she threw one in on me yesterday. She threw a curveball into it. She threw a wrench into the machine. She said, I love you. And I said, no, you don't. She goes, don't tell me I don't love you just because you don't love yourself. And uh, I, I, I laughed uncomfortably. And um, I felt revealed. And then I said, yeah, but seriously, you, you don't really love me, do you? I've only been there since Saturday. Where? Here? Los Angeles. Wait, now you, but you live in New York? No, I live in Massachusetts. That's what I thought. But here, like, the, like I, as much as I like it, I lived in New York for years, and as much as I like, like, to, like New York, and even though I like it here, the fucking traffic, man. I mean, I know it's such a hacky complaint, but, you know, but when you're you know, looking at 45 minutes to go six miles, there's you, party that thinks. Yeah. There's party that thinks, is, like, is life long enough for this? Yeah, there's too much time. Well, you know, this is not an original thought, but in the car. Yeah, like, you got to have a. You're <laughs> in one building. You live a lot in the car. Out oh, yeah. Here. Oh, yeah. So you got to have a car that you love. It's not right. It's not right. Like, no. It's like going into a little booth. Yeah. For three of the hours or more of the day. With, with very little to do in that booth. You got to really start making hobbies for yourself other than hating other people. <laughs> so if someone asks you what is your hobby you would say uh, not hating other people yeah yeah it's good it's good it's very uh, it's a difficult hobby it's very challenging for me <laughs> especially how long have you had this hobby for as long as i can remember steven <laughs> <laughs> oh i thought it had to do with the actual just the traffic no no this has to do with comedy general. life decisions you know resentment's a big one but that 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 car becomes a hate capsule How's that chair working out? That you're the first to sit in that chair in this uh, in the garage. It was in a different environment before. It was in the kitchen, not being oh, used for like it. It's good. I, what was the chair that was here before? It was like an IKEA chair. Didn't have much soul to it. It was bright. You know, it had a lot. It was an exciting chair, but was it uh, wooden too. No plastic. This the, these chairs have some soul. They have some history. They have some character. Yeah, but we bought them years ago at some store. That's clearly an old uh, chair, uh, wooden school chair or some sort we, mm. and the x spray painted it orange to make it to to give it a hip veneer so what are you doing in la i like it i like the chair well i i came here to do uh craig ferguson 
Oh, is that it tonight? Was, it was on, no, it was last night. I just have, it's weird because people move here from New York and Boston. So I, when I'm here, I just don't do, some, one of the great things about being here is seeing these people that are very close to me. Yeah, it, it, as, I think as we get older, you, you know, the ones that hang on for the long haul, it's very important you check in with them. Exactly. You, you know, yeah. like yeah. a lot of people fall by the wayside, but there's usually that core crew where you're like, yeah. he's still alive, me too. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Let's have there's some food. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that point where you get like yeah. that. I'm, I'm just entering that about maybe it's a year and a half, two years ago. But, yeah. But it's not like a light switch. Right. You know, you're just like, wait, wait a minute. Because people that you know are actually dying. Yeah. And then, then it's getting... Like, there's you think of them individually, but then sometimes if you add them up, there's a lot of people yeah. that are going. Yeah. So the ones like just like you said, if the, you know, I go out of my way now to, oh, go to see this guy. He's there. Well, you know, ten years ago, I don't feel like yeah. Then, but now, well, I'm going. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And there's that. It's weird. I noticed like. When you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time, but you know you've been friends forever, that you know it 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 actually gets sweeter as you get older because there's that unspoken truth that's sort of like, well, we made it this far, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I don't know what's gonna happen, but shit, it's good to see you. And, and the fact that you've known each other that long, yeah, the time adds to it somehow. Yeah. Even if nothing unbelievable happened during the time oh, yeah. the fact that the time went that long yeah changes yeah. doesn't it, it it adds to it yeah it's like an oak tree or yeah. a redwood tree yeah yeah it's getting like higher yeah yeah strong, yeah you know, yeah, yeah, relationship. yeah yeah and it's amazing like when you see someone you haven't seen in six months or a year or yeah. two years and, yeah. and then it's like Bam. like you were in the living room and you went in the kitchen and came back yeah exactly those people are tremendous but those are the best friends yeah where you don't have to sit there and look at each other confused you know what happened to you you know i don't have any friends that did anything drastic no sex changes or anything so yeah it's all kind of percolated along <laughs> Like, that would be sort of hard to adjust to, yeah. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> my brother's wife works in a hospital in New Hampshire, and there was a guy, a doctor there, yeah. that changed to a woman. And, and I went to see my niece in, in a dance recital. She dances all these things, and, and it was like 15 dances. And this guy, who used to be a doctor, came out dancing and as a woman yeah. in this group and he was like in his 40s and the people he was dancing with were all like 15 yeah a doctor changed to a woman dancing with 15 year olds and I'm sitting in the audience like trying like it was like I was on acid except I wasn't it was a David Lynch Fellini movie combined <laughs> and then magnified and the music is beautiful yeah. which makes it even weirder how did people handle it they, they I don't know what they would think they, you know, everyone just acted like nothing was off but it could they had to have been Unless they didn't know and just thought it was a really bizarre looking woman who was taller and this build was different than the, than the 13 year old girls. Imagine doing that on purpose. Imagine having a meeting like, okay, want to do this dance thing. Have it all 13-year-old girls except yeah. one guy in his 50s who's been changed to a woman who was a doctor and now is, is he a nurse? No, he's still a doctor. Don't be, don't be judgmental. Just because he's a woman now, he's a nurse. 
Imagine setting that up and casting. Yeah, yeah. It would, people would be like, "I don't see it." <laughs> <laughs> I don't. See it. I don't Everyone under- would have to say, "I don't yeah, see yeah, it." I don't understand the point of this. <laughs> Imagine the meaning. <laughs> yeah. You, well, you know, it's interesting with those kind of things because I, you know, you got to. I'm tolerant of it, and I, I understand it and accept it. Uh, you know, in in on some level, you know, I could outside of having the urge to become a woman that there's yeah you know, there's <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? You, you have that or no? I'm saying to... outside it like oh, like okay. there's something to be said for the idea that like I've lived half my life as a man. What the fuck? I only go around once. Let's try the other half the other way. You know? <laughs> That's hilarious. Take advantage of the time. <laughs> yeah, be creative. Why drive one car? <laughs> <laughs> so, but, it makes sense when you think yeah, about it like that. Let's yeah, go. Let's yeah, make appointments. Whatever. What you know? I got. I don't have a lot to do. What's going to change if I don't change something? But <laughs> but it's still going to change if I don't change something. Oh, that's you running for president. That you come out. That's all you say you, at the mic. Thank you. What's going to change if I don't change that's something? His, his, that's as like as deep as those idiots. They're like yeah. cliche. Write whole books. We yeah. need cha- things. The American people want things to change now. That's you've been saying that for two hundred years. <laughs> What's going to change? Why even say it? We it's like change. saying the sun is going to come yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. And, and you if I'm elected, it'll be brighter. Yeah. Fuck you. But, you know, I don't know. It's hard sometimes. To, like, I, the, the weird thing when you deal with something like that, where you look at something like a, someone who's become a woman, transgender, or whatever, you know, I, I'm cool with it, but, you know, I, I don't think it should be inappropriate to maybe laugh a little to yourself. How can you not laugh? I mean, <laughs> how, I, you know, with this political correctness yeah. as, you know, how can you? I mean, how you can be it, respectful. It I'm not, I'm not... It's jarring. It's a it's, natural it, it, response. It, 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 it doesn't mean we don't it's like, like you. It's like a giraffe with a short neck. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You would comment on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think some, it's ridiculous. Do you think some people would think it, that, that making fun of that guy would be wrong? Do you think some actual people hearing this would think, oh, that's not... Absolutely. That's not. <laughs> I'm going to get two or three emails from transgender people. From people who have gone one way or the other or halfway to one or the other who are going to say, you know, it doesn't make it any easier for us when you guys, you know, put us aside like that or, or, or don't respect our choices. I don't give a shit what they do. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Like we're going we're... to the circus and like, that clown's not tall enough. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, right. Then. Well, that's that's a good point. It's not that we care. We're not really judging. But but it, it's like it's going to make you laugh it a little. It has to because you, you're born and then you grow up and they put the rules in your head. They right. pour the cement right. for years and years and yeah. years and years and years. Yeah. And, and then this guy goes out, <laughs> outside goes, the goes box. there, extremely out, yeah. uh, and like does that. You have... You know, that's why cartoons are funny, because, you know, a bird is killing a guy and then becomes alive again. That's why it's funny, because that doesn't really happen. Right. And that doesn't really happen, other than it happens. Well, now it can happen. (laughs) Cartoons are real. (laughs) That's the bottom line. That's the conclusion. (laughs) They should be all of our goals. Yeah. To to, to change is like that. Sure, we can now. We have the technology. (laughs) We can do anything. Yeah. It's good. It's like a spaceship. It's good. The garage is a spaceship sometimes. 
What part of Massachusetts you live in? I live so? in Carlisle, Massachusetts, which is about oh. forty minutes outside of Boston, I don't even Cambridge. Remember. Oh, okay, near yeah, Concord. Oh, yeah, okay. Kind of in the trees, on the like, two. Yeah, right out the two. When, yeah. you, when the two makes that big corner, you, yeah. you don't take that. You go straight right yeah. through Concord Center and then out the other side. Then there's Carlisle. Yeah. I wanted to be around nature more. And does that help you? Yeah, I love it. Yeah? I love it because I lived here in L.A. and I lived a long time in Boston, a long time in New York City, and then L.A. again. And then I would go to Rhode Island in the summer to Block Island, and that's where I, where nature started to really affect me. And just being around it was so comfortable and soothing. And then I was going to leave L.A. and go back to Massachusetts because I wanted to go home to New England, and I thought, well, I'm not going to move to Boston. I'm going to get this nature that I get on Block Island where I really live. And do you just, what, do you take a walk? No, I just, it's just... You sit outside? I have a bike. I have a racing bike, a road bike yeah. that I ride every day. But just, you know, for like an hour. But Where, just were, seeing, just seeing... Like, remember when I came here yeah. and I said to you that you just felt... I felt a relief here just from this where you live up on this hill yeah. here away from the yeah. city. Yeah. So it's not... You don't have to actually go do anything. Yeah. It's the feeling. It is, right? Feeling. Yeah, it's like... It's quiet. Oh, oh. And then I go to the airport, and then I go to, to, to cities, and do, and then I come back. It's like, oh. So it's like, if I didn't go anywhere, I'd go insane. Yeah. But I love the back and forth. Yeah, well, you, you, you have that rare, you know, you're in that rare position where, you know, you are a singular uh, voice. You're, you're Stephen Wright, and, and you do, uh, you do your, your, I remember the first time, like years ago, uh, like everybody else, I always loved your comedy, and Thank I knew you. you started in Boston. I mean, I, re I, I was at the Ding Ho just before it closed. Oh, really? When I was in, in college, I started doing open mics, and it was wow. still there. Oh, wow. It was after it, you, though. This was 83. 83? must have been, it was probably 85-ish. Probably is that oh, possible? I don't know that it went that long. Well, I'm, then I must I'm have been because sure I remember though. doing. I remember doing open mics with Jimmy Tingle, uh, oh. Ron and Bob and Ron. Oh, Bob and Ron, yeah. fantastic! <laughs> yeah, Bob and Ron, Ron's bumper here, comics. Ron's here in L.A. doing shows. <laughs> sure, all, no, all I the see. Time, yeah, huh? but yeah, Ron Lynch is a is a is a, a fixture on the world of comedy. Uh, so who else funny. was there? Simply Fred, uh, Lenny Clack was still you know around. You know, so I I knew that whole thing. And, uh, but like, I remember like knowing you started there and then I was talking to Mike Clack <laughs> and, uh, and he said, like, I remember cause I was young and he said, yeah, I was just hanging out with Stephen Wright and, uh, you know, we were partying a little bit talking and like in my mind, I'm like, he, he goes out. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Like, so you, go have a beer You, you talk to that guy? You know? <laughs> Like I couldn't, I couldn't like move you into the world of people at that time. Because you had me as this comedian. You mean? Well, yeah. Well, you were Stephen Wright. You, you were your own planet. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh, like I don't know if he mingles well with. Oh, him. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You know, because like I, I didn't know. Like, uh, because you have a very, you know, uh, specific way of thinking and a specific pace of things. And, like, I certainly couldn't just see you sitting there with my clock. 
yeah. <laughs> I get it. Having a beer, you know, because you had that one yeah, version yeah, of me guy, yeah. drilled into right. our head with the abstract jokes right. and that way of talking and everything. Right, but, right. You know, but I, could, I never you knew anything. Move, move it over. <laughs> That's yeah. hilarious. That's funny. Oh, I had so much fun with those guys. I still see Lenny Clark. I see Mike Clark at Giggles. I see uh, Mike Donovan sometimes. Mike Donovan. One of the greatest comedians of all time. Oh my God! But the Ding Ho, I, what what I want to know is like because the the story I heard was that you know you came out of nowhere and you were this 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 guy that had this t- completely original voice and you know instantly got the Tonight Show when at a fluke. Like I heard yeah. that. So what was his name? Uh, Peter, the book Peter Pe- Lasalle. Pe- Peter Lasalle was visiting his kid. Yeah. What happened was. Uh, Someone wrote, a freelance writer wrote an article about the Ding Ho because it was half Chinese restaurant, half comedy club. So right. So this guy writes this article, and it goes in the L.A. Times. I don't know why it goes. Peter LaSalle, who was the producer of The Tonight Show, right. sees the article, thinks it's interesting, and then later, many many months later, he's going to take a summer trip east to Massachusetts and New York to look at colleges because his kids are going to get out of high school. Right. So they go to on this summer trip, and he remembers the article, he remembers the club, so he goes to the club, and uh, he's, he, he's, everything for me, everything changed. Like three weeks later, I was on The Tonight Show. It was, how, a fairy, it was like a fairy tale. How long had you been doing comedy at that point? Three years. Now, what, where, what, was your, what was your background? Were you always this guy Were you, as a kid? I mean, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Burlington, Massachusetts, which is like two towns over from where I live in Carlisle. Yeah, it was in the, it was in the suburbs. It yeah. was regular uh, suburb. It was rural too. When I was there, it was rural, and then it got more and more built up. Right, but it you know little little league skiing in New Hampshire. Yeah, going to Florida to visit family and. It appeared to be, you know, it was seemed normal. Apparently, it wasn't completely normal. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, to think all that stuff up, I, I'm not saying that. It, I don't know. It was all normal. How many sisters and brothers you got? I have two brothers and one sister. And your family, your parents were married and everything. Yeah, they they were married and we're in the suburbs. And he had a, he was very working class. He he did. Uh, my father had this weird change he, he, he went the nerd no right <laughs> he's still a, he's still your father <laughs> and not mommy too <laughs> he uh he worked for a company that tested the stuff that went on the apollo like they would make put these like cameras through these tests and it was in the same town we were living in so yeah they the people put, that made the cameras they didn't make them but right. they sent them there and yeah. they would drive them through these incredible tests to make sure they would be able to make it in space. So, so your yeah. dad just sat around throwing cameras in the air. <laughs> <laughs> Still takes yes. a picture. <laughs> take, take a picture and then come home. But it, it was it was uh, you know yeah it was good yeah I and, liked growing up there in Florida. You went to Florida to visit your grandparents and stuff. My cousins. Uh, that might have been what done it. You know, Florida can take a toll on a person. You think so? Uh, it's it's, uh, it's fucking bizarre down there. Why? Have you been there lately? I don't know why. Yeah, I've been I've been here a year ago. I can't figure out why, but you know, it, people sort of write it off as like old people or whatever, or rednecks or whatever. But you get down there in some areas around Miami. You're, I'm, I drive in the streets. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? 
It's like barely controlled chaos. It's the most <laughs> densely populated fucking state I've ever been in. It's never ending malls and condos. And it's just old people that, you know, there's a lot of old people that are like, I wasted my life, let's fuck. You know, and, just, <laughs> you know, and then <laughs> there's like, you know, a lot of Latinos and then there's hillbillies. It's just like, I just, and it's always warm. Mm. I, I just feel like people are down there, they're having a really good time. Maybe that's what frightens me. It just keeps going yeah, constantly. Yeah. <laughs> never stops. Well, it's like, you know, the United States is so big. It's called one thing, the United States. But it's like five, seven different countries. I oh, mean, at least. Think of at fl- least. Florida yeah. to New England. It's totally different. New England to Colorado. Yeah. The Northwest, Seattle, sure. and Oregon. Yeah. And California. It's all called one thing. Yeah, and there's some, there's some states that are very angry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Still, but like, when was the moment where you wrote down the one thing? Like, I mean, I don't know what you were heading for. Like, did you went? Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to a community college for two years. Did you have a plan? I I wanted to be a comedian since I was about fourteen or fifteen years old. Who from, put that from, in your head? Well, my 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 brother, my older brother, he he was in charge of the TV because he was with me and him would be up. Everyone else would be asleep. Yeah. And he liked Johnny Carson, so we had to watch Johnny Carson. I didn't even know of it. So yeah. I watched it because he watched it. And then I was like, fell in love with it. Yeah. And I was like, amazed by him. Yeah. The, just him is so classy, yeah. so funny, so like, it was my introduction to a guy coming out and by himself making the people laugh. And the people he had on, like at, when I was first starting watching it like uh robert klein yeah david brenner yeah and Pryor and carlin of course so that got in my head like okay this is fat this is amazing yeah and, and then there was another thing that made me want to do it i would listen to the bruins it was during the bobby Orr days <clears throat> and i had a radio in bed with me and i would listen to the games and one night i stumbled on this radio show in Boston where this guy played two comedy albums every Sunday night. He would play a cut from one and a cut from the back and forth till we played two. Yeah. And I so then I started listening to that every Sunday. In, yeah. in bed, like yeah. nine at night. Right. And so and I'm watching the Tonight Show religiously and I'm seeing the comedians, I'm hearing this collection of comedy albums that this guy the guy affected my life. His, yeah. his name is Kenny Mayer. Yeah. And, and you'd sit there in your bed laughing to yourself? Well, I, I, I don't remember actually laughing, but I remember thinking, oh, I like that. That's I like that. No, I don't really like you know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah, studying yeah. it without knowing it. Right. And my favorites were uh, Woody Allen and George Carlin. You know, Woody's yeah. the album that he made before he went to movies. Sure, it was that one record. So, uh, <laughs> stand-up years. It's a double record. Yes, yeah, a double record. So when, so when you went to the community college, where you, where you, you, you didn't start doing open mics yet. No, I see. I, to be a comedian was what I wanted to do, but part of me thought that's never really going to happen. Right. But part of me thought I want it to happen, so I had to do two things. I had to take care of myself as if that wasn't going to happen. So right. I went to uh, community college for li- liberal arts, and I took a year off, and then I went to Emerson College, thinking they had a big mass communication thing, and I thought if I could. Now my goals were like overlapping. I thought if I could be a guy on the radio, yeah. be funny on the radio, yeah. somehow I would 
go to the stage. Yeah. Had no idea how. You wanted to be the broadcaster. Yeah, be funny guy in there playing the records, doing whatever he wants, and then I could go to the stage. So, but um, I mean, my father told me to just go to college for anything because it'll be better in the long run. (laughs) It was like because he he would in where he worked, he didn't go to college, and guys would get paid more than he did because they went to college even though they were doing the same thing right so i had these two things going of taking care of myself one way but it was matching up with being funny on the right and this fantasy did quentin tarantino know that you wanted to do that when he cast you as a dj know that i wanted to do what be a dj oh uh i don't know uh i probably told him yeah i don't remember really (laughs) yeah that's funny so, all right, so Emerson at that time, I mean, you're a little, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure who your generation was, because I know there was later, a little after you, a lot of guys went there. I know that, that Leary went there, Eddie Brill went there, David Cross went there, I think Laura Keitlinger went there. Were there any guys that were there yeah, doing stand-up? Well, I, w- I was there with with uh, Dennis Leary. Yeah. And I, I came there, I, they were like freshmen, and I was a junior, because I came from the community college, so right. all my friends were freshman right and dennis leary was there eddie brill was there mario cantone was uh-huh. there lauren dombrowski was there uh lauren keitlinger came after who was the other guy that you said cross went for uh, a couple he, of years he yeah. went after and i was there when dennis leary and eddie brill started the emerson comedy workshop uh-huh. which was like a sketch thing right and that was hilarious i would go and watch it and it was hilarious they were just fantastic did you do any no i didn't do any did they know you at that time yeah as my, oh. as buddies right but right. they didn't i didn't they didn't even know i wanted to do stand-up it was a secret i kept it in a, as a secret to myself yeah yeah yeah. like only like two people knew yeah yeah because and, i was superstitious i thought if i go around saying i want to be a comedian that it wouldn't happen right and what was the moment where you you, you made it happen well I uh, got out of Emerson, and then I went out west for several months. I was out in Reno and Colorado. Doing what? Shoveling snow off rooftops in Colorado so the buildings wouldn't cave in. How'd you get that gig? Well, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I applied in 1969, (laughs) and then there was an opening. Finally, the job came up. (laughs) Oh, man. I knew a guy who was going to Boulder, Colorado. I went out there for no reason to hang out at his with him. And then there was two guys he knew who were going to Aspen for no reason. And we're in Aspen, and we meet this guy who from Connecticut who was a construction guy, and he was overseeing these roofs they were putting on the buildings that were at the bottom of the ski slopes. Yeah. But he was our age, and we right. were in a bar. You know, we're 23, and he's 23, but he's in charge. Yeah. And they gave him this really nice condo to live in by himself right. while he did his job. And so the first, he invited us. We moved in the next day. <laughs> so we're living at the bottom of the, of the mountain yeah. in this great, place you can see the ski lift and then i heard scraping one day I heard yeah. scraping outside the door and i opened it and there was a guy a kid shoveling i said why why are you doing this why are you shoveling the walk oh i work for that guy over there <laughs> oh so i went over and we got jobs <laughs> that was it so there's just a bunch of 23 to 25 year old guys who are like, i don't know what the fuck i'm gonna oh, do We're yeah, doing, yeah. <laughs> We're, i it's went aspen i went there with 80 dollars yeah 
but you're not it's really literally eighty. But you know, but I'm not thinking. Oh my god, I only have eighty dollars. Yeah. At that time, your brain is wired like, well, okay, that's good. That's, 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 that's good. Yeah. Get some beers, <laughs> bag of weed. I'm all good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what year was that? You remember? Seventy nine. And then what? You ended up in Reno too. Yeah, because these same guys I was with in Aspen. <laughs> they, they, they were going to Reno. Yeah, they knew. They These guys I knew were from Vermont because they knew the guy. I don't know how they knew the guy from Scarsdale. So we meet in Boulder. Then the Vermont guys and me go to Aspen, and they we're there like a month. And yeah. then they say, well, now we're going to go visit our friend who lives in Reno. So I just go with them, and the yeah. three of us go. And, you, you know, you're that age, and you knock on the door and say, hey, how are you? And you just move in. <laughs> so you, 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 they don't say... I'll help you find a place. Or, you know, your brain is different then. Yeah. So I'm living in Reno. <laughs> With a bunch of other dudes. Yeah. Whatever. Well, <laughs> absolutely no reason other than they knew this guy from Vermont. What'd you do up there? Oh, I had three jobs there. First job I had was in <laughs> Fitzgerald's Casino, and I had a. I walked around and gave change out. Yeah, it, it, I walked through the slot machines the, with a belt, belt with a belt with all <laughs> with all the money. Yeah, and I had the like midnight to eight in the morning shift. You're the and night that, guy. That, that's, that's the night guy I, with the change belt. And I and I liked it. <laughs> I, I, I I I don't know why I liked it. <laughs> Well, maybe I grew up in New England, and now I'm in a casino. Well, there's also a lot, of, a lot of sadness, and there's definitely a vibe to that. I imagine that shift at around four in the morning is, is not what anyone would say is a happy place. <laughs> Those are the times when I would jot down my memoirs between four and five in the morning in Fitzgerald's in Reno, because I knew that, yeah, that, yeah. that if I went by what you're saying, the book would go in a different direction if it was written during that time <laughs> and then i then i uh my brother was i had a great time I yeah and saw live music went out comedy uh, no i didn't see any comedy went to went out to drove out to the desert with these guys walked around in the desert high just want just throwing rocks at trains yeah like a, tra a freight train would sure by sure and it, it's surreal it's yeah totally surreal. throw a rock just, at a train laugh your ass up yeah, for laugh half <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if you could get that pleasure Bad. now. Oh, like, God. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it takes, yeah. it's now, different now. Yeah, we can't get off the train. <laughs> yeah, we, we're, we're, afraid. we're on the train we're, looking at kids throwing rocks at the train going, oh, those assholes. Yeah. Oh, I wish people. I was there. Jesus, <laughs> I can't believe these people. So, all right, so then Reno ends. and then Well, what happened was my brother got a call that he was going to get married, so I had to go back to the wedding wait someone called him and said no he was... they called me oh oh, oh. he's, he's getting oh your brother called you yeah oh. he's getting married in like three I thought you said someone called your brother and said you're getting married told him to get married <laughs> yeah it's time and just by the tone of the guy's yeah, voice he, he did he went out and got married <laughs> and it lasted yeah. it's amazing <laughs> yeah it's a romantic beginning so well, okay so uh, you go back to uh... well I, I, I parked cars at Harris and Sahara to make enough Marino? money. Yeah, I had two full-time jobs for like a week and a half so I could get enough money to go back for the wedding. Yeah, yeah. So I parked cars. Yeah. How was that? Did you find anything good? Well, they gave- Did you have good they, tips? They would, I don't remember, but they yeah. would give, 
whoever was the main performer there, they would lend them a Rolls Royce. So Dion Warwick was there, yeah. and they told me to, what the guy said, "Go get the Rolls Royce." So I go for Dion Warwick. So I went out and I drove it up front, and then I continued getting regular cars for people. Yeah, and it went on and on for like forty minutes, and then Dion Warwick came out with like five people with her. Yeah, and I went up to her and. And with a total straight face, I, I was kidding, but she didn't know I was kidding. Yeah. Was just, I said, I said, where have you been? I've had this car out here for 45 <laughs> minutes. And she's, and she's looking at me like, how dare you talk to me? Yeah. What the hell is yeah. this? And she just said something to me, and I just walked away. Yeah. <laughs> and you knew it was time to go. Yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of it. So you went back to... Uh, so, so I went back for the wedding... And moved in? I went back to Massachusetts, yeah. and uh, that's when I heard the comedy club was there. So now, then I thought, well, I have to try this thing. The yeah, No, the comedy connection. Can I, oh, the connection down on yeah. uh, Warrington Street? Yeah. yeah. So it's a nice little club. It was. I, I, so I thought now, since I, 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 I didn't, okay, I don't have to go to New York or L.A. There's a club right here. Yeah. So I went down and watched the show, and I was blown away. Who was on? I, I can't remember. Oh, that's all right. But, but those, pro, those guys, the, I don't remember which exact ones, but they were the guys yeah. that I would, like, grow up with, join with, like, Lenny and Mike McDonald. And Bob Mike Seibel. And Bob Seibel. <laughs> Bob Seibel. Mike, so insane. <laughs> How are you, Mac? <laughs> wow. Oh, what a character. Yeah. So then I went and watched, and then I thought, in two weeks later, I'm going to go back to the open mic. Now, I'm going to attempt my dream. Was that the first time you saw comedy live? No, I had seen Robert Klein like a year earlier. I heard on the radio he was going to be at Pass Seams in Harvard Square. Oh, my God, that little place? Yeah. This was in 19... 19- Oh, many years. It was like 75. Yeah. And I went to see him, and he I couldn't was have... astounded by how funny he was. Yeah. Or... And I was astounded by how long he was funny. Like, the show just kept going and going, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, he maybe he'll keep going, but it can't still be funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How can he... <laughs> yeah. How yeah. can this happen? And it kept going and yeah. going and going. And I you were amazed? Him. Yeah. I was amazed. Yeah. He was the first guy I saw. Did you uh, ever meet him? Spend time with yeah, him? Yeah, I met. I've met him several times. In fact, I did a benefit with him about ten days ago in New York for eye eye research for the retina research. Yeah, did and he you, was proud of the show. And did you ever share that story with him? Uh, yo, many times. I tell him every time I see him. I've met him like five times. Now I got to the. I'm getting to the point now where I'm thinking maybe I shouldn't say this to him again. <laughs> <laughs> he's okay guy right oh he's a great guy loud he's a big yes. man he's yes. always right here yeah. yes yeah all right so okay so two weeks later what do you do you scribble some shit down or had yeah, you been writing I, had no, you been i hadn't written anything uh i thought of one <laughs> joke when i was shoveling roofs in colorado but i never did it make the act yeah it did it made the act did it make the did it make it all the way to the the special how yeah, long did it made all the way to the tonight show? What, what, which was the uh, the roof shoveling joke? I was shoveling snow, and I thought if I was on an elevator or something, I changed it to a bus, and I was talking to a Jewish girl, and she said she was. Oh, I was talking to a girl, and she said she saw her psychiatrist, and well, I, I'm on a bus talking to her. I, 
I said, how, how are you? Oh, I just saw my psychiatrist. Things aren't going well. What's the problem? Well, I'm a nymphomaniac, and I only get turned on by Jewish cowboys. And then she said, by the way, my name's Diane. And I said, hello, Diane. I'm Bucky Goldstein. <laughs> Written on the roof. Yeah, shovel in the snow just <laughs> came into my head. Not shoveling like trying to think of jokes. Right. Just but... like all of a sudden. And I thought, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe people would laugh at that. I I don't I don't know. So that was the only, during those two weeks. I just wrote, tried to write jokes. It was the first time I tried to write jokes. Right. And then I went to the open mic. Two weeks later, I was scared out of my mind. I went up for three minutes, and like a third of it worked. Half of it worked, and I was disappointed because I was so naive that I thought that was horrible and mike mcdonald the comedian great he he said to me that that's good you never did it before ever so half of it worked you know take out the other half that didn't work and then come write more and put it in and come back so when i left the club it was great because i had it in my head all these years of trying way maybe to be a comedian and then that night even though it was three minutes it was real. Yeah. I really did it, even though it was for a tiny amount. So I got all psyched. I saw it. From Mike McDonald, I saw it as a positive experience. Well, yeah, he's a, he, that's great that he encouraged you. He's a wild guy. You know, he was, he's a yeah, great guy. He's great. American Mike McDonald, not Canadian Mike yes, McDonald. Yes, American. He yeah, was Mike, an, Canadian he, Mike McDonald's a good guy, too. A little depressed, but he's a good guy. <laughs> he, he, he was at Emerson, too, Mike McDonald. So right. I, I think he ended up that. teaching there. Years oh, away, really? didn't he? Oh, I don't know. I don't but know. I remember Mike McDonald because he was so wild, you know, and occasionally, you know, he would juggle, I think, right? Yeah. And and then you know, at some point he had long hair. Yeah, ponytail. Yeah, and then he had- Hawaiian shirts. Yeah, and then the treehouse, he had a Mike's Treehouse, that was a TV show on a on a, on a a small station there or something oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Local yeah, Local cable. Very nice guy. Had sort of a lisp and a very high energy, a little edge to him. A lot, a lot of energy. Yeah. All the time. He's Every a good time guy. I've ever seen him. He was a good guy. Yeah. So he He's was hilarious. just there. He was just, he just a, happened to be there, and that, and that conversation really helped me. And so, all right, so you started to find this style. Now, like when you went on stage, because it's interesting, you as you, you know, you, you're, you know, you, you're pretty honest to who you are on stage. It's just you're telling jokes. But was there nervousness? Because there's a, like there are elements when I watched. I recently watched your the young comedian special with you. Who hosted that? Alan King. Alan King. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the the intensity of the way you delivered stuff. When did you start to pick up, you know, your physical timing and the pacing? Did that happen right away? It it it, it, ha it was there right from the start to some degree. Yeah, like that. They were all short jokes. They were abstract jokes. No, they weren't all. They, there was some more so so called normal jokes. Mm -hmm. Like there was like two thirds abstractish or half and then normal and then what's I, normal like I, stories I, I, I don't i don't know just just more of just not well when you think of my kind of joke yeah it was not that right, kind. so right. But i can't describe yeah. or give an example and i was scared out of my mind i mean i have i talk like this anyway i'm more yeah. animated i'm hot on coffee i'm not on stage i'm yeah. talking yeah. but i was scared out of my mind so i was out there straight face scared concentrating saying the joke the right way what's the next joke saying the joke the next so f concentrated 
even though they're laughing, yeah. I am taking it completely seriously because <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm, I'm nervous out of my mind to be there and I'm trying to remember what the hell I'm saying. So that concentration be, wove itself into with the material and right. then it became what I did. So I don't a, have to go out there and say, all right, now I got to act. I never had to go like, I better act real like it yeah. just it happened out of nervousness right but you you eventually grew into it so it, it it didn't come off as real nervousness it was just sort of the style they never saw it as nervous they just saw me like kind of talking like this like i was yeah. in, in shock like. and, then, and when you first started doing shows i mean what 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 was the uh the ratio i mean were there nights where you know people didn't get it at all no it was th- always the joke it was always what i was saying right they'd listen well no i mean some of it would work and some of it wouldn't right some people ask me were they thrown off by your style and they don't they don't care about anything they just care about whether you're saying something funny right so right from the beginning some jokes worked some jokes didn't it was never like a whole night of one way or the other right but there was something captivating about you because you are unique so either like my question was really around the point where you, you know were they going like what's up, what's up with this guy, and but because you're, of your particular and and uh, you know original disposition, I think people listen to you even harder. Well, I, I, I remember like if the if the if the room was noisy, like a, the club was a noisy audience. That when I went on stage, I would talk even softer on purpose than yeah. I already did. Yeah, yeah, and I would talk like down like, and then the room would get quiet because they were concentrating on hearing me. Yeah, but they do. were. They, I don't think they were thrown off by my. If they were, I never knew they were thrown off by it. I, I always felt that they were laughing at jokes and not laughing at jokes. And that was that. Yeah, it was all about the joke. Yeah, it was yeah. always about what I was saying. There was never a point in your life where you thought like, I'm just gonna talk. Oh no. <laughs> No, no, no way. Does, no does the way. thought of it now make you anxious? I, yeah, it, it 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 does because I know if I I've done it a little bit over the years, yeah, and it it like ne- it never it barely ever works, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the jokes were like a wall between me and them, right? Right. They, I was. You know, the real, real me was behind the jokes. And, and you were fine with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I admire those guys, like Lenny Clark and Sweeney mm-hmm. and those guys. Some guy in the audience says something, and then there's 10 minutes of yeah. hilarity. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Their minds are unbelievable. Well, I you, have no mind like that. If, I can kid around, like, with yeah, you uh, yeah. off stage. But right. On the stage, I have to know what I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have you ever been put in a position where you had to handle a situation? Yeah, like something happens in the audience. Yeah. Like, I like uh, if like someone, I don't know, somebody that like, comes into the show at like fifteen minutes into it, and yeah. everyone sees them come yeah. down the yeah. aisles, and yeah. then I say, "Oh, I say, uh, oh, this." She's just getting here. I'm going to start the show all over right. again. <laughs> yeah, and then that gets a laugh. And then I say the fir- beginning of the first joke, yeah. like I'm really oh, right, going right, to right, do right, it. Right, yeah. So there's little things that, you got that prepared. I forced, yeah. I've been forced to deal with. But no one's ever gone, hey, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> just for no reason. <laughs> and what do you say? 
I, I sometimes, most of the time, I ignore them <laughs> and keep going. I saw David Bromberg. You know him, the yeah, musician? the guitar player. Yeah, yeah, he's a brilliant musician. Yeah. I saw him in the Bottom Line in New York. Yeah, during the time when I was starting out doing comedy, a couple of years, and he was playing this very quiet song, and he was telling a story, singing and telling a story, yeah. and the audience was. No, talking to each other like yeah. he wasn't almost there, and yeah. he he kept going as if he was in a library. Yeah, and I was astounded, and it affected me. I thought I'm going to try to do that rather than talk giving in. I saw it as giving in to react, right? So that I would try to do that, and then if I sometimes I would just say "fuck you." That was like that's all I had, and that got a laugh. That would get a laugh because sure. I hadn't sworn yeah, the yeah, whole yeah, time. Yeah. So when you okay, so so now like the position that going back to the ding hole that night where uh, where uh, where, where Peter Lasalle Peter Lasalle finds you and a week later you're on the fucking Tonight Show yeah like this three, the, we- three weeks later. three weeks later you go over the set with Lasalle you know he's you know, with the Jim McCauley oh with McCauley McCauley was oh he was the, the comedy booker right and and this is it you were you, you must have been going out of your mind you're going to meet your childhood hero it and was, what was the feeling man it was. It was was so surreal just going in there, seeing the set. It was surreal. Yeah. Did your brother go with you? No, uh, two buddies and my girlfriend went. And it was was my dream to do that. And then I was there, and it was unbelievable. Johnny came in and said something to me in the dressing, in the makeup thing. And he could have said, we're going to axe murder you, and then we're going to put your body in five different states probably next week. And I would have said, yes. Okay, Okay, Mr. Carson. I I was so nervous that he was standing there. Yeah, yeah. And then I got so nervous, I kind of got numb. And then Barry Crimmins, Barry Crimmins, a great political comedian, he he told me, just go out and throw the switch. Just do what you were doing in the clubs. Just come out and do do what you were doing. You called him or you talked to him before you went? Talked to him before I went. Yeah. So that's what I tried to do. And you killed? Yeah, it went went good. And then did Johnny talk to you? Yeah, he, he, he called me over. When the audience started laughing at two or three or four jokes, yeah. then it was like, oh, this is the same. This is just as like being in the ding ho, except yeah. I'm over here. Yeah. And then, so then, you know, doing it, oh, as I'm a comedian. Yeah. Trying to ignore that it was on television and just trying to make these people laugh. And he called me over and I couldn't talk. I was in shock and it changed my life. And when, when you met him, when you sat down on the on the panel... <laughs> If you see the tape, I can't barely talk. He said, "He said a lot of comedians don't come out of Boston." And I go, uh, 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 "Well, uh, um, yeah, well, there's a lot of good ones there, and they're in my head right now." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that got a laugh. Yeah. So, did you feel like, you know, that, like you, you are the way you are? But did you feel like, you know, people treated you like some sort of savant? Uh, like that, you were like a treat, like a little odd. I thought they treated me like they treated me like I was smarter than I than I thought I was. Right. It was like the compliments I would get. I liked them, but you know, to me, I was just a guy making stuff up. Right. So. Right. Yeah, because you get sort of heralded as uh, you know the the great absurdist, you know, and uh, you won a Grammy, right? 
No, I got two nominations, two different albums. Yeah, yeah. I didn't win though. But you like you have more. You've had more of an impact on uh, on stand up comedy than most, and you know, it, it's a very unique thing that you know to create a truly authentic uh, comedic voice. And you did. What, what's interesting to me is a, a lot of comedians, you know, who have a, a very distinct um, voice. You know, they they get uh, they get sort of Im- imitated a lot, and it, and it seemed that yours was so unique that it almost took two generations. Uh, before, like people started to integrate your voice, because you can see it, you know, in Hedberg, you can see it in, you know, in a couple other comics. But it's a big risk to use your delivery system because it's so unique. Do you recognize that? I see that people have. I had an impact on them. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I realized it about five years ago when I would people would tell me that guy's saying jokes like you, or and I would or I would see someone maybe seven years ago. And it it was like bizarre to me that 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 I would, you know, I'm in in bed with the radio listening to the album, and I'm 15 watching the Tonight Show. So they were like that watching me, but I didn't know. I didn't even think of that till seven years ago. Right. I was just trying to write jokes that worked. Right. I wasn't thinking that 15 years later there's a guy from some he's going to do a, be in, in, impacted by, right. by that. Right. It's bizarre. It's it's interesting that you're you know uh, you, you were able to sort of avoid that you know because uh, that you know your way your way of working was so personal and and your personality was so you know per, you know unique that you know no one ever listens to Stephen Wright and goes oh, he's just he's just doing uh, Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> <laughs> like you're definitely your own thing, but it doesn't it doesn't bother you that people are influenced. Does well, it? I I. I th- I know that I was influenced by George Carlin by talking about everyday things. Right, that's what I do, and I was influenced by that Woody Allen album about how to by writing jokes, writing the, things, the, the wild punchlines. Like the, the, you didn't, it taught you how not to be afraid to go anywhere you wanted. Yeah, like yeah. just like where how he did it. So when they are doing like a thing affected by me. I, w- I was affected by them. Like right. people don't, they think I came completely out of nothing. But I was aff- yeah. affected by them. Even everyone is like sure. m- music. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I just think that it's weird that I had an impact. Why? Because you didn't think you. No, you I'm were? not thinking of that. <laughs> I'm not thinking of a guy <laughs> no, of 15 years old in Florida. Right. I'm trying to make the audience laugh right then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how and what, how often do you tour? Because like you're also interesting in, in the uh, unique in the fact that you know, your primary still to this day, I would imagine your primary uh, income is stand up. Yeah. And you do how many dates a year? Uh, I don't really know. I go out like I don't go out for like three weeks anymore. I go yeah. out for I go out and do like three or four shows, and I come back for. Uh, three weeks, then go out and do three more, and then come back, then maybe go out and do five, then come back and not do it for a month and a half, then go out and do one. You know, it's like that. And do it's, you, it's the amount where I don't get like, what am I doing out here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, where the hotel room doesn't become like this, you know, like a, a jail cell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The living on the road, you, you go through phases with it. It's like, you know, at the beginning, you're sort of like, "This is like another planet. I can yeah. do whatever I want. I'm going to pee in the desk," you know. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't live here. 
but uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no one knows where I am. What oh, if I'm going I to the airport? Uh, yeah. Oh my god. And how are the how are the crowds now? They're Usually. good. Yeah. They're still uh, still the same. Say try something out. They don't like it. They like it. Yeah. Same thing. It's like it's right from the. <laughs> from that thirty years ago, and is, do, you, do you have the fear anymore? Ever? No, I no, I, I don't. I'm, I'm not afraid anymore unless I haven't done it for like two months, and then I'm on the side of the stage, and by two months I've completely like, it's out of my head as much as it can be, and I'll be on the side of the stage thinking, this is insane. Yeah. They're going to introduce me, and I'm going to go out and try to make them laugh for that long. This is crazy. <laughs> How did I get myself into this? This is 28 years in. Yeah. After taking a two-month break. And then when I walk out, then it's just normal oh, yeah. and normal yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you've spent so much time out there. Yeah, you, part of you lives out there. But I'm as... Re, I'm as it's, an, it's an abnormal thing to do, as you know, to stand in front of the crowd. That's just not no, a normal thing. So right. I'm, I'm as adjusted to it as I'm going to be. Right. I'm adjusted... The, to this unnormal thing, but it's not like it's regular, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It'll never be regular. <laughs> it's just your life, but it's not. Yeah, of course, it's not normal. No, it's yeah. not normal at all. No, no, it's, 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 it's you, insane. Well, that's really. one of the. the, the you got to be very careful when you look at it that way. <laughs> It's so like wrong of an idea when you think of it. Go I, out and try to make these strangers laugh by just things you made up. Yeah, and if I, someone I, pitched that, like I, if there was I, never I, any stand-up yeah, yeah. comedy, yeah, get out like, of my no, office. No, no, I'm, I'm busy making a shirt. You know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working here. I don't have time for that nonsense. No, but that moment you're talking about, where I've I've had that a lot. Where it's just you know, it, it's what we do. So you don't really think along those lines, but sometimes when you're standing in a comedy club and you're just looking at these people sitting out there waiting, and they're like, "What are they? Why are they here? Why are they even here? Who would go here? You know? You know and the, <laughs> who would go here? And uh, now they're waiting for me. And then you, and then there's that like that weird difference between you waiting to go on and being on stage, and you're like, "Holy fuck! Yeah. This, I, I I know exactly. You can't go there too often." I think that's what that's what brings people down. That realization of oh, like, yeah. what the fuck I, that, am I doing? Too overwhelming. Oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, your mind like blocks out things so you can deal with being alive. Yeah, well, that's why we did. You, you do so many gigs, and that's because that, that's how you felt when you're doing open mics. I mean, fuck, you remember like you know when half the audience was gone, and you oh, went, yeah. you'd watch them walk out, and yeah. you're like, oh fuck, they're all gonna be gone, and then when then you then you start going like, it's probably better if there's only four people here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How bad could it be for four people? And then you go up for five people and like three of them laugh and you're like, I did good. That guy, one guy, he didn't like me. I don't think he liked anybody. <laughs> That's a victory. Yeah, those beginning days are fascinating. You don't think they are because it's, it's what's happening when, yeah. you, when you look back. Yeah, oh, I know. When there was fewer people, I always thought it was way harder. Like mm -hmm. if there was eight people as opposed to thirty people. Yeah, because yeah, they don't they, they don't become a group. Yeah, mind. they don't have they, yeah. yeah they don't have that group yeah. thing. It's and you're in these beginning clubs that are just. It, it's almost like you should you should start really you should start in a nice theater with an audience <laughs> yeah. with where there's no alcohol and everything. That's where the open mic should be. Right. And then as you get better and better at yeah. it, you could go backwards into harder and harder rooms. Right. <laughs> so 
right? So you're playing in front of eight people. I, I, I think, but it, that would be normal. Yeah, sure. Instead, you put the guy out in the worst situation yeah, in the beginning. To fight it out. It, yeah. yeah, go walk out on that tightrope. Yeah, I, I, I just go. You're on. You're on. But wait. Go. Yeah, well, I think that's primarily based on the fact that uh, you know I think uh, a long, maybe twenty comic open mic is a tough theater ticket to sell. You know, <laughs> come see guys who don't know what they're doing. Okay. Yeah, I never thought of that. I never <laughs> you know, thought of the audience like, why are they here when to see guys try to do it. It never entered my mind. Well, I think there's an element to that in comedy in general that, you know, there's there's always that sort of like, I don't know this guy, he better, uh, let's see what happens. You know, I think you're up against that, but once you get a name for yourself, you're not, they're like, they're like you know, I saw him two years ago, let's see if he's got anything new. Yeah. And then that's, I think that's worse. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Just, uh... How's your generation? Good? Yeah, generating comedy? You good? Not like before. Yeah. Like just, I mean, I still write jokes down, but... At one point, my mind was like a factory. It was just like, it was just producing, producing. Yeah. I, you know, and then it's like, and it, it's, it's gone down. I still write, but not like in those days. Yeah, you got to wait for the flurries. Yeah, it's yeah. flurries yeah, now. Yeah. It used to pour. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so now you're just sitting around like, I'm okay. Things are all right. God, I don't write anymore. <laughs> and then one day you'll be like, oh, it's happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it always comes back, don't know. you think? Yeah, yeah. You don't know how long it's going to last, yeah. but you better have your notebook there. Yeah, but you get used to that it's going to come back. So yeah. then you're not nervous. Like, you know it didn't go completely away forever. Sure. Well, I think at some point you're supposed to enjoy your life and relax. I mean, that's what I'm told. And and I think that that when that starts to happen, you know, the, uh, some part of you is sort of like, oh, Christ, do I got to... I hope it comes back, but I'm okay out here, you know? And then you wait it out. I mean, do you find you're, you're happy? You got peace of mind? Yeah, I, yeah. I love living in Massachusetts, and I love, like... Uh, I, I appreciate where I am. Like, it's I'm amazed at where I went in my career it's yeah. like it, i almost i appreciate it even more now as time has gone by and it's like i you know i have a living making stuff up and i travel and i have a lot of time off and i have you know close to my family and i'm 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 as content as probably i've ever been well that's great and you know i gotta i gotta tell you you're you're one of the most respected comics in the history of the game and you did something uh, truly original, which is, uh, which is rare. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for talking to me, man. <laughs> so this is part two with Stephen Wright. I yeah. just wanted to uh, get into your uh, situation. Like, yeah. you from Albuquerque? Yeah, I grew, up, start- I grew up in Albuquerque, and I started in, um, I started in Boston, actually, when I went to college. Where did you uh, go? I went to BU, uh-huh. and uh, you know I started doing open mics at uh, Played Against Sam's. Oh yeah, and Barry Katz was yeah. uh, running that place. Yeah, and He's a nice uh, guy. and at that time it was you know it was DJ Hazard, or right. who was who was DJ Hanard then, and uh, Crazy Chris Collins. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! What a character! Yeah, then and Kenny used to host it, and I remember you know it like you'd write out you put your name on that list, and I'll never forget because I got to talk to Kenny. Because I've been kind of in touch with him. I haven't talked to him in years, but I guess he's sober now. But I, I never forget, like, because you'd sit there and you'd be on that list and, and the open mic list and people would drop in and you watch the audience go away. And Kenny, at that time, you know, he'd drink, he'd start drinking. And then, you know, by the end, he'd be shit-faced. 
And one time, you know, he, you know, I was on the the last to go up. And you know, when you're starting out, and yeah. you're like, I'd rather not, anyways. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's better if this doesn't yeah, happen at all. It, it doesn't happen. Yeah, for right. some reason. Yeah, yeah. You'll get off. And he got too fucked up. He forgot to bring me on. Oh. And. and it, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd waited all night, but but secretly I was relieved. Yeah, but but oh. but I went up to him. I said, "You didn't. Yeah, I was. You were supposed to." Be. He's like, "Oh shit! Oh fuck! I'm sorry, man. I gotta go. You all right?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! What stress? Yeah. So I started. But, but him in particular, he's one of the funniest guys the funniest. I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like he's in the top five comedians oh, that I've ever seen. Definitely. He's a genius. Yeah, definitely. And so prolific. Yeah. Unbelievable. There's the laughing man again. But uh, well, you didn't do comedy in Albuquerque? I you, did. Com- yeah, there was a comedy club there. And I, you know, I... I did I, you do when you w- would go back from school? Yeah, I tried, you know, like... But, but I was, you started in, in Boston. I really did. I started in Boston. But then, like, uh, what happened was I put together a team with another guy, you know, in college to audition for a Catch a Rising Star show, like Comedy on Campus. And we didn't get the show. And we performed a little bit together. And then he graduated or he left town. And then there was one summer where I started doing it myself at... Uh, played against sam's and stuff and i was drinking a lot and i just couldn't tell whether i was trying to you know be a professional alcoholic or <laughs> or a comedian and it was it was fucking miserable and i would just wait around to do those open mics and they were always a played against sam's and stitches sometimes but then i started doing it you know i, I really stopped doing it for a while because i just couldn't hack it a few months you no mean? like you know i did it i did it solo and like uh, the second to the last year of college in my last year of college i was like i can't fucking handle it and then when oh. I graduated college, I moved to L.A., I auditioned at the Comedy Store, and I got a job as a doorman, and that's when I got hooked up with Kennison and that crew, and then I started again, and then I got all fucked up on drugs, and I had to leave L.A. because there were things chasing me that I, I didn't make up on purpose. and uh, <laughs> That I didn't make up on purpose. What a fantastic sentence. <laughs> that I didn't make up on... Things that were chasing me that I didn't make up on purpose. <laughs> And then I, How long I, was the gap between Boston and then going back on stage? No, in when I graduated college, you know, I was like, I'm going to do it, you know, and I'd done it like here and there, but I didn't commit my life to it. But, you know, I always wanted to commit my life to it. And then when I graduated college, I did. So I went to L.A. I, I was at the store. I got fucked up. I cleaned up and I went back to Boston and I got a job at the Coffee Connection. You remember the coffee connection in the garage in Harvard Square, pre-Starbucks? They used yeah, to serve yeah. all the coffee in the French presses. Yes. So yes. I was I was that guy. I was already oh. bitter because I'd been hanging out with you know Kennison. So I was the guy at the cappuccino machine, like <laughs> you know. I used to hang out with Kennison. You guys don't fucking know anything. You know? <laughs> and then wow. uh, and then Dave Cross came in, and I'd met him when I was in college, and we were doing open mics like at Stitches. He was at Emerson, and he came in, and then Catch a Rising Star opened, and uh, then I started you know, I started in, in earnest. And I, I came in second in the riot in 88. And that was the end. And I, I haven't had a day job since then. Great. One way or the other. Fantastic. So you had, so you stopped, started, stopped, started. Just in what? college. But, you know, since I graduated college, you know, it's been, it's been all comedy. The last job I had was, you know, that job, I think, or maybe a, yeah, it was probably that job. Isn't that great? Yeah. It's so long. Like, there were some so, tough years, but. <laughs> but to make a, but like, you know, to, to like just. Make a living from writing is unbelievable. From making things up on purpose. Yeah, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. So then when did you go from Boston? Went from Boston to uh to New York and then like I you know, I, I stayed in New York for a few years and then Which yes. clubs were you doing there? Catch your rising stuff. Well he would never let me on and I hated him. You know, who, so I would who? Lewis and oh. uh and I still kinda do. 
but I, uh, but you know, he just wouldn't put me on. I was too angry, too weird, or something. And you know, it, I, it wasn't really about making people laugh as much as it was just me getting things out. And uh, wow, yeah. wow, that's so different. <laughs> Than my what I do. Yeah, and then you know, I, I used to do the Boston Comedy Club. He was real good to me, and I did the original improv before it closed. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. So that that sad wreck of a place, it was still Wasn't sort of a woman. Silver. Sil- Silver, 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 right, Silver Friedman. Right. Yeah, and then like uh, I got fucked up again, and I and I had to leave. So I, I I I sold my bed to the guy across the hall, and I gave my all my shit to the people that sold things on the street, and. <laughs> We <laughs> were there a few years. Yeah, and then I moved to San Francisco. And, uh, and that whole scene was happening, right? It was it was sort of arced out, you know. Was that yeah. in like eighty nine? It was like ninety I probably ninety two. So like, you know, a lot of the people that were there that came from Boston, you know, like Mimi yeah. and uh and Dana and Tomcat and Bobcat and uh uh you know, uh who else was there? Well they they Paul Poundstone. Oh, they had sort of brilliant. moved on, you know. So the scene was sort of uh, anemic. Uh, and uh, and you know when I got there, uh, I within weeks of Patton Oswalt and a couple other people. So that was really good for me. Like I, I was able to you know do the type. They they're very indulgent there. They they reward indulgence. So I was like, well, this is good. You mean I can just talk about what I need to talk about, and maybe it'll really? it'll it'll figure out. So that's sort of where you I got a lot of stage time in that. In San yeah, Francisco. yeah, I did all right. Yeah, and uh, you know I can't. I went in the competition tw- uh, the second year. I did the competition. I came in second. I'm really good oh, at coming great. in second. And then and then I, <laughs> then I moved back to New York and uh, and and did it there. Wow! But the scene was still happening in San Francisco. It, it just was, wasn't but, as active. Right, right. There was a, it had a great history. But but a lot of the people that you know had defined it had right, left, right? You know, so you know, so I did that, and you know, so I worked. I did. That's how I really started making a living was those one nighters. You know that Barry Katz used to have. You know, you drive into God knows what, and you had no idea what the setup was going to be or how fucking awful. Oh it yeah, went. So that's yeah. really how I started, and then uh, and then like you know, I hosted a TV show in '92 on oh. Comedy Central. And, oh great! Yeah, at the very beginning, was I started, that in New York? Yeah, it was the last thing I wanted to do, and you know, I learned. But I learned how to read prompter, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you went from the clubs in San Francisco to New York, and then Back, you were yeah. playing clubs, and right. you did that show. Yeah, yeah, and right. that sort of turned things around. And then I ended up. Uh, I stayed there for years, and then I, I moved out here, and uh, you know, I destroyed a marriage, and I wrote a book, and then I moved out here with a girl, and uh, I've been here since uh, 2002. Oh, and, great! Uh, and this thing seems to be doing all right, and the comedy's doing all right. I just put out my fourth CD. And, wow, uh, congratulations. Thank you. Finally, after about 25 years, you know, people kind of know who I am. That's fantastic. <laughs> this thing is so popular. I, you know, I mean, I, the, I, mean I, I, I heard like a couple of years ago, I started yeah. hearing about it. And yeah. it was like from all different types of people, like, you got to hear that. You, you should go on that. You got to go. I mean, it's, the buzz is still it's still going. Well, yeah. It's great. It was, congratulations well, on thanks, that. Well, thanks, man. It, it's, it just gets a lot of focus and respect. And I'm happy for you. I'm happy to that you had me on here. Well, well, I I really appreciate you doing it. A lot of people were wondering when we were going to do it, and I'm glad that uh, you made it out this way. And I'm glad you're doing well. And thanks for uh, thanks for uh, bringing me into the interview. Okay. Well, I hope you feel like you know Stephen Wright a little better. That's our show. Thank you for listening. This is WTF. I am Mark Marin. Boomy, come here, Boomy. Let's do this, buddy. Hey, Boomer. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's up? Boomer. Boomer. Come on, just one little meow. Boomy. Oh, Boomer. Oh.
Look at that. That was cute. He's just going to climb up on the chair. All right. Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Kick in a few shekels. Get the app. JustCoffee.coop, of course. Always available. Get the WTF blend. I get a little on the backside. Is that the right way to say that? It sounds like uh, Just Coffee just slapped me in the ass. Boomer. All right. That's it. I, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Oh, Monday show. It is a... It's a first. Monday show is a first. That's all I'm going to tell you. Talk to you later.